You're listening to the Horizons Church Podcast. Guten Morgen. How are you doing today? I feel good. <laughs> I feel uh, well, yeah. I should say. That's great. If I wanted to be really persnickety about my own diction, yeah. I should not say that I feel good because mm. in the words of our Lord, there's only one who is good. Okay. Yeah. Why do you call me good? Mm. There is no one good except God. Okay. Well, but I, you get what I'm saying. I get what you're saying. <laughs> I get what you're saying. I'm not saying I am completely morally good. I am mm. saying I feel Alrighty-o. physically and spiritually well. That's good. Emotionally, it's a Scandinavian horror land outdoors. Yeah, that's true. It's interesting that you said emotionally and then you said weather. Yes. I actually get that. That makes sense. <laughs> It's just like I'm on maybe like a four on that scale compared to your 10. Oh, yes. It's <laughs> like, yeah, yeah. Makes sense. It does make sense. Uh, it doesn't help because as of this recording session, I have just returned from a week in Florida. Mm, yeah. Seminary intensives. The weather was beautiful. It was like mid to upper 70s all week. Bit of a weather shock. Yeah. And then I came back to this. You know, it's kind of funny, though, speaking of weather and speaking of weather on this podcast. It, recently, we had an episode release. And it's like one of those times, sometimes I just, it's like, oh, yeah. When did we talk about that? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I, I know that feeling. <laughs> I'm going to have that experience yeah. listening to this. <laughs> and we opened about like ah oh, it's so nice out yeah and it was not no <laughs> when it released it was, it was not, not nice, nice. <laughs> dating ourselves yeah, with so. weather references that are oddly specific but i think at this point unfortunately we're in the clear for frigid weather we, yeah. we say it's frigid and when they listen to it yes sorry guys yeah it's very likely that you'll be listening to this and it will be single digit mm. cold you'll be grimacing out the window yes you know that feeling like you walk outside and your hands just hurt Immediately. Oh my gosh, yes. <laughs> yes, I do. I actually, it's interesting that you should bring this up because I thought I was uniquely deficient. No. And that my my extremities, man, it gets, I'm fine, but my hands are like yeah. in, in mm-hmm. physical pain. Oh yeah. Pretty quickly. Oh yeah, and same. I'm a, I'm a shoveler now. I shovel a walk. Oh yeah. I have yeah. a walk to shovel. Yeah. Oh, That's yeah. new to me. Yeah. And it's new to my hands. <laughs> So come payday, I immediately ordered a pair of gloves because I'm like, oh, it's, yeah. I don't have any like warmth gloves. I have work gloves. Yeah. It's not going to work no. in this particular case. No, no, no. Yeah. So I'm real excited for them to come. Yeah. Because I had I had to shovel this morning. Oh, yeah. And I, I put salt on the walk. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Because yep. I don't want to lost Don't want to slip on the ice. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so. Yeah. Yeah. I know exactly what you're talking about. Yeah. I'm glad that I, too, am not the only one. Yeah. Feels that. The circulation my is better is in, weak. It's in other, it's better in other places that aren't my hands and my toes. Yes. Yes. Wow. 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 Yes. My hands were in pain this morning when yeah. I went out to scrape my car and all that stuff. Mm. Hate that. Oh, yeah. Hate doing that. No fun. So, hey, but, you know, well, speaking of weather, actually, yeah. <laughs> our podcast today, it deals with a weather event. It, weather of a sort. It, a big, big, big old honking. Big weather. Today's topic, big, big weather. weather. <laughs> the covenant of big weather. <laughs> oh, I love it. Bet we weren't ready for that. I was. <laughs> Henceforth, I go back into all, like, when the ESV updates mm-hmm. their text for, you know, whatever year they do that, I'm going to go into that meeting. I'm going to find out where it is. Yeah. Go in and be like, 
on the sections in Genesis 9 where it says the Noahic Covenant. No, no, no. Mm-hmm. We're renaming that heading Covenant of Big Weather. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> they will love I'm it. I'm sure they will all be like, wow, mm. we're all 150 brilliant academic linguistic experts and scholars. I, do I, I hear we have not- 150 amens? <laughs> That's right. Thank you, everyone. <laughs> well, in case you couldn't tell by reading the episode title <laughs> right. or our jokes, we are talking about the Noah Covenant yeah. today, which in many ways actually just repeats and expands upon the Covenant of Works we covered in a previous episode. So there will be a mm. lot of overlap, but there will be some similar, some stuff. Similar but wet. <laughs> That's my that's my takeaway. The covenant of works, but baptized <laughs> in judgment. So, yeah, you know, oh, as one man. does. So, anyway, as always, it's helpful to know the circumstances that led up to the ratification. Always. Of, you know, not just this particular covenant, but any covenant that you come across in Scripture, especially the divine to human covenant arrangements. Mm. So, here's what we have going on. In summary, after the fall in Genesis 3, the wickedness and depravity of mankind continued to escalate. It's just, it's just getting worse and worse. Worse and worse. Some people are saying, just like now. And I'm like, <laughs> oh no. Maybe have, not. We're talking I like. I don't think it's the same. Depending on your interpretation of this, we did an episode of this a while back, but like it culminates in angelic beings. Yeah. It's copulating. That's the scene of the rebellion. In fact, it's right after that in uh, Genesis 6 where God himself says, the intention of the thoughts of man's heart is only evil continually. And that's like, like actually pretty explicit and pretty, yeah. that's pretty heavy. Also, like, it's easy to gloss over that. Yeah. Mm. Yeah, it is. And I mean, it's so bad that God then pronounces an act of global judgment in which he's going to blot out mankind, like all of mankind, yeah. from the face of the earth by means of a flood. I'm just going to say that, you know what? I bet that was kind of just like scary just to be alive. Yeah. Just to be alive. Like going down to the market? No. No. Because yeah. they think evilly. No. I mean, it's at all like, times, like, I can't even imagine that society. But no. It's, it's, I mean, it's real disturbing. moral anarchy is the picture you're getting on every single level. Like no law, no yeah, I, exactly. control, yeah. nothing. And I mean, so you think out of all the people who have populated the earth, which is, is obviously we're not talking like 7 billion people like we have now, but like mankind has been fruitful. Yeah. multiplied and filled the earth. We're a number of centuries into this whole thing, and only one man in his family does God look at and say, well, you know, I'm going to spare him. <laughs> you know, It's gotten that bad. Because what we read is a man named Noah finds favor in the eyes of the Lord. He's chosen to build an ark of wood, wherein he and his family, along with pairs of all living creatures, will be spared from this flood. So God's going to show mercy to these living creatures as well. And in the words of Genesis 6.18, God says that in doing this, he is going to establish his covenant with Noah, which we don't actually get into in Genesis 6. He just says, I will establish my covenant with you. And then, of course, the flood comes. Noah and his family survive. And then in Genesis 9, we have the formal ratification of this covenant. And as we said just a bit ago, we do see a few carryovers from the covenant of works, namely Noah. He's kind of like a new type of Adam. Yeah. Right? Like he's the new man. And he's told to be fruitful and multiply and fill the earth and exercise dominion. Right? The beasts are Mm. subjected to him. Mm-hmm. Really very similar terminology. Yeah. Covenant of works. Like they're setting up or reestablishing a framework. Yeah. It's kind of like a um, shadow and a type of a new creation. Interestingly enough, in Genesis 1, 
the waters play a big role in the creation of the world. And then it's like almost as if God is using the waters to recreate the world. Oh, in a that's sense an interesting here. parallel. So, yeah, so you do get a lot of that parallel. So this all leads up to the ratification. What is a ratification? What does that even look like? Because thinking back to our previous discussion, my mind goes to the slaughtered animals, bond and blood. Oh, yes, yes, yes. What yes. does ratification Good look catch. like here? Good question. Yeah, exactly like that, actually. So what? when he exits the ark, he builds an altar and takes a couple of animals and does offer them interesting as a pleasing offering to the Lord. And then what it says, that's right at the tail end of Genesis 8, and it says when the Lord smelled the pleasing aroma, he said, I will never again flood the earth, and then it leads to the ratification oh, of okay. this covenant. Interesting. Yeah. And there are some distinct elements here in the Noahic covenant. So first, I think what you'll notice right off the bat is that there's the establishment of state slash capital punishment. And wherever we may fall on the legitimacy of capital punishment today and how we see that being utilized or not, Again, remembering the context here is key for understanding why it was ever established in the first place. In a word, God established capital punishment as a means of restraining evil, like what we were just talking about and alluding to. At the point where society has so degraded that human life is not treated with any semblance of dignity, like people are stealing from each other, killing each other, just all this evil left and right, you want something in place that reinforces the dignity of humanity. And in Genesis 4, for example, so even going back to fairly shortly after the Cain and Abel story, you have Lamech. You got to say that weird because little Hebrew, Lamech. I got to let the little, he was the not, guttural Lamech. No one's like, oh, cool name. No one said yeah, that to him like, ever. Ugh. Like, really? Okay. Guttural, visceral, disgusting. Flem? Is that a, a flem Lem, flem. But he's a descendant of Cain, you know, who murdered Abel. Makes sense. And he wrote a song to celebrate the fact that he killed a man for hitting him. That like, is sort of psychotic. Yeah, just 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 a little bit, you know? Like, yeah. I mean, that's like the level we're at here, where people are writing ballads. You know, like, behold, I've killed a man for hitting me, you know? Celebrate that. Let's, let's sing songs. Let's be full of mirth about that. So this isn't some arbitrary matter where God's just kind of saying, oh, hey, capital punishment, you know? Yeah, right. It's rather his way of ensuring, as far as human beings are obedient to it, human value is recognized and that evil is proportionate dealt with. And this is a principle that comes up later. We'll talk about this when we get into the Mosaic Covenant, but I think it's worth hitting on it beforehand that those injunctions in the Mosaic Law where it's like eye for an eye, tooth for tooth, is not about personal vengeance. It's actually literally set in the context of if someone, to use that language, like if someone knocked out your tooth in an act of malice, the proper retribution is not to go above and beyond that. It's like oh, that's a tooth for yeah. a tooth. So not to be like imposing a harsher sentence than the crime merits, if that makes sense. Yeah. In Latin, they would call lex talionis. So you see in Genesis 9-6, here's what he says. He talks about how this ends up playing out. Whoever sheds the blood of man by man shall his blood be shed, for God made man in his own image. And you see how he grounds that in the fact that because man is made in the image of God, the only thing of proportionate value for a human life is another human life yeah. in the context of murder. So... That's the context that ends up getting laid down. It is something that, as simple as that seems like it should be, it floods me with many, many questions. Oh, sure. Yeah. Yeah. Naturally. (laughs) As it would. (laughs) It is one of the many times I wish, like, there was more to go on or more information, more more context, more rules. Can I have more rules? How many times have I ever said that? (laughs) 
I'm saying it now. Um, at least like more to work with in terms of implementation or conditions or just like that's a heavy thing. There's so many parts of the Old Testament that give extreme detail. Details you never even thought you wanted to read. Yeah. <laughs> but here it's like kind of a big thing. I, I could flesh it out a little bit more and be fine with that. Yeah. Um, yeah. I think that could be said of many things. Wouldn't it be nice if we had perfect understanding? Wow. Um, if only I had an infallible mind. <laughs> <laughs> but like, I think this maybe I could honestly say it's a topic I've I've wrestled with and been on both sides of several times over. Sure, yeah. But I've never thought of it as a big thrust of the Noahic Covenant. Like, my mind never goes to that. Right, yeah. And being reminded of the conditions pre-flood and the demand for the flood, the timing makes sense in that context. But yeah. why not before now? Why do sure, we wait yeah. for now? Why is yeah. it only now that we're establishing like that didn't work out? So it's like, right. I'm surprised, I guess, that there wasn't more in place mm-hmm. before this. Sure. Is it just the social reset button? Why not now? I <laughs> <Yeah>. mean, like, <laughs> uh, I guess yeah. I'm asking questions that have no definitive answers. Well, no, but... and those are good questions. And this is something we're going to notice across the span of the covenant. And it's a general principle, and I think it applies here. I've not entirely fleshed out my mind. These questions are just now bringing it to the forefront of my brain. But you see this principle throughout the covenants and throughout divine revelation in general that you get more specific as time goes. Uh, as As the situation demands it? Yeah. And so, for instance, you get this... I guess, I think it would be fair to say here you get like one of the first societal laws here. Which is interesting. Yeah. And I don't know if you would want to count. Maybe someone would want to quibble with me and count when God said, I'll mark you, Cain, so that anyone who sees you knows not to mm. kill you in return. But it, well, it's interesting here, though, But here, it's times. very, yeah. So let's just go with that and say this is like the first societal law. Well, you don't get any more of that explicitly until the Mosaic Covenant mm. at Sinai. Yeah. Many centuries that's, later. That's a minute. So you do see this gradual historical unfolding of God's law and his revelation and his commands. It's not all made clear in a moment. Right. He kind of brings you along. And I can't remember if this was Augustine or, you know, one of the church fathers. It's always safe to say it was Augustine if you can't remember <laughs> who it was. But he's talking about how, like, the nature of revelation like that and the, the timing in which God reveals those things. Yeah. It's one of those ways that God deepens our faith and makes it apparent to us that we really, apart from him, can't know what to do. Like, we, we tend to think we can figure things out on our own. He's like, All right, let's see how that works for you. Yeah. And then reveal, like, oh, no, this didn't work, so let me continue to reveal how this goes. And then, of course, you see that penultimately in the revelation of Christ and the incarnation, and then ultimately in his glorification and incarnation. But we're getting ahead of ourselves here. So, I don't know, does that make sense of why? Does, yeah. I think, you know, mm-hmm. you see that principle at work here. So, yeah, so we have that element. And then we have another major distinction, which is <laughs> pretty big. God promises to never again and destroy the world by means of a flood. Yeah. Makes sense. That's the one that I go to. Yeah, think. That, that's probably yeah. what you think of in the Nevada Covenant. <laughs> like, oh, no flood. Um, and it's on this note that we actually get our first explicit covenant sign, which is the rainbow. So mm-hmm. here's what verses 12 through 17 say. I'm just going to read them. And God said, this is the sign of the covenant that I make between me and you and every living creature that is with you for all future generations. I have set my bow in the cloud, and it shall be a sign of the covenant between me and the earth. When I bring clouds over the earth and the bow is seen in the clouds, I will remember my covenant that is between me and you and every living creature of all flesh. And the water shall never again become a flood to destroy all flesh. When the bow is in the clouds, I will see it and remember the everlasting covenant between God and every living creature of all flesh that is on the earth. God said to Noah, This is the sign of the covenant that I have established between me 
all flesh that is on the earth. Hmm. And so we have another example of a covenant reaching beyond the two involved parties. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Kind of uh, in a big way. One, yeah. One like might say. The whole earth <laughs> is included. All living flesh is included. And you notice the term covenant is used five times in just those mm. five verses. So obviously God wants you to pay attention That's to. That's a pretty forward ratio. <laughs> yeah, it is. It is. And notice God establishes his covenant as you alluded to, in a familial structure. Hmm. Uh, It is made with Noah and with every living creature with him, which includes his family, as verse 9 also makes clear. He says, I establish my covenant with you and your offspring after you. That is genuinely something my eyes just skip right over. (laughs) Most evangelicals, (laughs) to be fair. (laughs) Yeah, because like the implication here, the covenant doesn't expire after Noah's death. Is that what we're saying here? It's like, just so you know, when you're done, it still counts. Yeah, and it does apply to your children, their children, and so on and so forth, Whereas all the way down to the Maybe like a human-to-human covenant would expire upon death? Yeah, it could. Mm -hmm. Yeah, okay. Yeah, yeah, potentially. Mm -hmm. Interesting. Yeah, and another principle I think you see established here, more explicitly, is that God doesn't make covenants merely with individuals. Rather, he makes his covenants with what we could call representative heads, or federal heads, if you're reading certain theological texts. And these federal heads, or representative heads, he makes covenants with them, and under them, families and peoples fall. So in this case, for example, Every human being is a recipient of the benefits of the Noahic covenant because we all have a common descent from Noah, which means, in short, we're charged to exercise dominion and we don't have to worry about a global flood event wiping us all out while we're doing that, mm, right? Like mm. we, That's not a particular fear that that's we have nice. to worry about. Really could have changed the movie Day After Tomorrow. Yes, yes, really, really could have. But the overall familial element of the covenant is going to become immensely more important and evident in the Abrahamic covenant especially. So we're going to cover that more there. But you can see the principle at work even here. What stands out to me, though, with the whole familial thing, there is no one else. Yeah, yeah that's right. <laughs> it's just his family. Like, you would think any familial language is particularly necessary. Right. Unless that language was specifically chosen to benefit the countless generations that would come after, to benefit us. So yeah. like we could read that. Mm-hmm. It can't be news to them. Right. Like no doubt. Yeah. <laughs> but that is, it's like, well, you know, I, it just feels like a for your benefit, much down the line situation. Yeah. And I mean, that goes right back to what Paul would say in Romans 15 when he says, listen, all that was written down in the past was written for your instruction. So That's that right. the encouragement of scriptures, you might have hope. So like even that. like, Yeah. Because why, why else would it really yeah. be there? And I can't remember. I, I have all these quotes that float around in my head and I can't even remember who said them. But it's like when you hear God making a covenant with like Noah or Abraham, there's a sense in which by faith, you really, you should hear him making that covenant with you. Really? As, again, applying that, like, representative headship. There's actually cause to interpret it that way. It's yeah. Not, yeah. Yeah. Because we can get, uh, um, my mind goes to the getting carried away with it's all explicitly talking to right. me situation. Yes, and you don't want to do that. But there's yeah. a sense in which you read, it's like, oh, that wasn't just yeah. God talking to Noah, you know, however many thousands of years ago. It was like he was saying that to Noah, and it was recorded in scripture for you. Yeah. So, so yeah, you got that going on. And then, of course, you notice that this covenant sign, this bow in the clouds, this rainbow, is given as a tangible comfort and reassurance to Noah, his family, and all of creation. And you think about, like, the uniqueness of it. I mean, this particular sign only appears when storm clouds come that threaten rain. And especially, I mean, if you're Noah and his family especially, you're thinking like, oh, gosh, I remember what happened the last time I saw one of those, (laughs) you know? Um, So that ties it concretely to the flood event and 
you know, allays any fears that God would forget his promise. And in fact, on that note, God says that when he sees the rainbow, he will remember his covenant. Yeah. Not as if he would forget it again, because I mean, God can't forget. He's God. Um, but rather that he will like call it to mind. Yeah. He's, he's giving that as a reassurance to Noah yeah. and his family and us. And again, that's like such a, um, I'm doing and saying this for your human benefit sort of thing. Right, exactly. A really great, tangible kindness. And here's one final word on this sign as we wrap up this discussion on the Noahic Covenant and all these benefits that we've received. The word bow here is the same word used throughout the Old Testament to describe a warrior's bow. And so in effect, what God is picturing for us here is that obviously it's imagery, so it's not literal, but like the image is that he had spent his arrows on this flood and that now for as long as the earth endures until the final day of the Lord, that final judgment event in which Peter would say, waters will not be used for judgment, but fire. His bow is hung up in the clouds. Like even if you look at, I think it was Dr. Reed, one of my professors who noted this, that if you look at like ancient Near Eastern images and icons, when you see people at war and they have like tablets on the stuff at war, they have their bow drawn. Drawn. Vertical. Like you can imagine that vertically. Yeah. And then when they're ready to represent peace, the bow is hung up. Like really? That's like like the way the shape of rainbow like yes. hung up. And, an and so arc. yeah. And so the image then is that God has his bow hung up in the sky yeah. in terms of peace, saying like, as long as the earth endures, I'm giving you time to repent. Turn from your sins and come to me. And you don't have to worry about, like, me. Even if your evil continues, like, I will be patient and wait. Yeah. So, pretty remarkable. Mm -hmm. Every time you look up in the sky and you see that, you can remember that and think that. Remember, oh, God is remembering his covenant and calling it to mind. So, even all these thousands of years later. So, that's the Noahic covenant. Good stuff, right? Yes, yes. No global flood here. None of, none of that. Just at the end, fire. Yeah, that's <laughs> that makes me feel better. <laughs> but not for us. <laughs> yeah. Well, if you have any questions on this or any other topic, you can, as always, email us at podcast at horizonschurch.net. You can interact with us on social media. And if you found this a helpful discussion and you want to leave us an honest five-star review on the Apple podcast thingamabobber. Mm-hmm. Is it just Apple Podcasts? Is that what they call them? I don't know what it's called I really called don't anymore. know because I... Look, I'm sorry, Apple. I use Overcast. You suck. <laughs> Your platform Dude, is... Do not give that platform a five-star review. No, no, no. But if you happen to force yourself to use a platform just to give us a rating, how much greater of an act of kindness is that? I mean, Amen. wow. That is a great A4 Toriori yeah. argument there. <laughs> Whoa. How much greater. Yeah. The lesser to the greater right <sighs> there. Yeah. Well, hey, you guys are five-star listeners, so. Yeah, that's right. Yeah. Thanks for listening, and we'll catch you next time.